You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. Born in 1893 to a wealthy family, he began studying Wing Chun Kung Fu when he was seven years old. Instead of starting a dojo once he'd grown, he instead joined the police force and moved around during the Second Sino-Japanese War, eventually settling in Hong Kong during British rule. There he opened a dojo and established himself as a grandmaster. However, as money was scarce during that time, many students would come and go. The family struggled, as most did then. However, his name grew in stature. Today we're going to be discussing the Ip Man trilogy, which will soon be getting a fourth installment, also directed by Wilson Yip and starring Donnie Yen in the titular role. Many liberties were taken many liberties were taken with his life, both to pay respect to the man, for example, his rumored opium addiction was left out of the films, but also to tread carefully due to the Chinese release of the films. Ip Man had been an officer for the Nationalist Party, which lost the Chinese Civil War. When he left Foshan for Hong Kong, it wasn't to escape the Japanese army, as the films would have you believe, but rather to escape the Chinese Communist Party. Still, despite such liberties, the trilogy paints a very interesting picture of a man who influenced many, including the legendary Bruce Lee. So, when were you introduced to these films? Because the first one came out, I believe, in... I want to say 2008? Yeah, 2008. Uh, I watched the first one probably not long after that, like whenever it was first added to Netflix. Right. Although I hadn't watched the sequels until recently. Okay. Yeah, I had seen the first one quite a while back, but I hadn't bothered with the second, uh, nor the third, obviously. It's just, you know, as somebody who watches a lot of uh, Chinese martial arts films, the first film in a series is always fantastic. Yeah. You can kind of skip them after that. Yeah. Man being the exception. <laughs> well, yes and no. I the the second and third are certainly not without issues as well, which we'll get into as we we, uh, sure, we talk about. Sure, but they're them. still well worth watching. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I think that a large part of that falls right on Donnie Yen mm-hmm. because if they had put someone in the role who was less charismatic, less less likable who was less able to portray an affluent person who suddenly has no money in a way that you can still feel for them and not be like, yeah, well, get used to it, buddy. Everybody has to go through this. There were a lot of things that by virtue of his character and the way that he portrayed it, which also has to do, of course, with the writing and the directing, but we know that a lot of that falls on the actor's shoulders. And he does such a good job with it that you want to continue to see what his story is. And for me... And and this is from somebody who really appreciates martial arts as well. It was less about the actual person and just about this fictionalized version of him. That I just wanted to see where they were going to take this and how mm-hmm. it was going to proceed. And I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. Yeah, like if they had done a true-to-life documentary about it, man, it would have been very interesting and entertaining. But this, what they did with the, you know, 
embellishments and that's an incredible understatement <laughs> yeah, there's some massive air quotes there <laughs> yeah raising him to this you know near mythical status with this fictionalized biography if you will just made the films that much more special because it doesn't diminish the acts of the real man and they definitely paid respect to that at the you know the beginnings and ends of the movies with the actual history behind it but it's cool they have like this superhero version of him that you can make movies out of i mean they've been doing that with bruce lee and yep. any other you know famous martial artists for decades now well the thing too with this is again the the more you actually dive into the actual man's life as well as read some histories on bruce lee and things like that you realize that a lot of people don't necessarily credit him as teaching them but rather his the people that he instructed Mm -hmm. and those are the people that had a huge influence on as an example again bruce lee's life so it's just that link in the chain going back through the years in that the history of that style of kung fu in particular so taking one character and elevating them to a point where it's near mythical but it's not it's still enough where you're like okay the fight scenes aside yeah you still got me for the rest kind of thing it's like all right Mm -hmm. fine but uh but i think that as much as I enjoyed that and as much as it was fun, the real man's life was interesting enough too that I kind of am curious what a more serious, authentic piece would have felt like for that. Certainly would have involved a lot less dramatic fight scenes, but I think that it would make for one hell of a drama because, again, it's an interesting life at a very traumatic part of history with again the japanese war going on the communist chinese communist party um making head road, uh, headlines into a lot of different areas and then eventually winning that civil war like and then the hong kong the the that initial british rule over hong kong everything like there's so much going on there that a true to life like you said too it would be more documentary would be just phenomenal to watch. That but said, at, there's at been the a time, lot. Like what you mentioned here with the, all the historical aspects that tie into his personal story. I also really like what they did here of kind of melding it together that Ip Man's story is also the story of China. Yes, yes. And yeah, it's Ip Man fighting the Japanese soldiers and the British and the Americans and whatnot, but he's doing it in the name of the nation. And yep. like, I, I really respect that. that you know, he's like their national hero and they set up these movies to to represent all of that. I, I like that. That's actually a big part too. So yeah, it, again, it's I would like to see a true to life version, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to lose this in the process. It's not that right. I would ra- rather the other one be made because yeah, it is. I like that. You know, this might have brought enough you know light to the situation that now maybe other studios are going to consider more serious uh, interpretations of the story. Well, since the first one came out, there's been an influx of. Ip Man movies that are going yeah. that are have either been made or that are going to be made as well. So there are some other ones that I'm going to be checking out to see just how good they are and not just true to life but entertaining as well kind of thing. So I I'm looking forward to seeing more of those. And it, it is interesting that someone that profound in the culture and in that history that there really wasn't much done with him prior to that, which is very very surprising. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, he lived from 1893 to uh, 72. It wasn't that long ago that he passed away. And as we said, he did teach Bruce Lee. There, are, But again, it was more so one of his students that taught Bruce Lee. But still, you get to see Bruce Lee in the second and also the third movie. That Obviously not the real one. Although they wanted to use CGI to make it the real one. And it was the family of Bruce Lee that kind of put a cease and desist to that pretty yeah, they, fast. They've seen enough bad uses of his <laughs> personage over yeah. the years. But, but I, I I loved the kid at the end of the I did. one. That might be my favorite Bruce Lee of all time. That <laughs> second the, to the of course the actual the, Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had the the bravado, the the swagger and it just felt it felt authentic. Especially in when you get to that second one where he's in Hong Kong and you're seeing a lot more you're seeing the shift in the mentality of the young people there, whereas in the first one, it was it was in China. It was much more rigid in their teachings in how the youth were raised and whatnot. But once you got to Hong Kong and it was under British rule and you it kind of relaxed somewhat and you got kids being kids more and things like that. So when you're seeing some of the young men that are going to study under him – they got some learning to do. They got some some character building to do. And he, as a character, helps them with that, which is nice because some of the characters continue throughout, much like would happen in reality with students being a part of their sensei's lives for a very long time in some cases. So it's it's kind of cool seeing the impact that he had on those lives moving forward as well, especially when you see that in the third one too, where you get to see the impact because of the difficulty that those youths have had now since the second one, well, since before that, but since the second one where there's, there's no money, there's there's no jobs, you got gangs building up because that is what happens in these type of situations to try to make the best of a a bad situation and you get to see the impact that his character has on those people as well which again it's easy to say "Eh, real life doesn't work kind of that way but in sometimes it does sometimes all it takes is one person to have that influence on uh, a young person's life and to change them dramatically and kind of Set not set them on the right path, but allow them to see what the right path is. We can mm-hmm. all look back to people who've had that kind of impact on us growing up. So it, it still does kind of work. Yeah, definitely. So the first one, you are seeing a lot more of the the Japanese invasion that goes on there, which I found really striking, like really striking. Uh, a lot of people don't realize just how destructive the Japanese army was back then. It's it's easy to point the finger at, well, not easy, but you know what I mean, at, when you're looking at the, the Second World War and what the Nazis did, but the atrocities that the, the Japanese soldiers did as well is astounding, especially to both Chinese as well as Korean people. So when you're seeing the brutality that's going on there, like it feels real. Like these things happened and it was brutal and it was bad. And you shake your head at at how ridiculous that something like this could have happened, but it did. And I thought it was well done. And it, and it really... Like, again, the character of It Man, as, as well as the actual It Man, was w- from a wealthy family. So 
that war took damn near everything like that. And by the time he goes into Hong Kong and then he's got no money, like he, his character had to radically change to adapt to these really bad situations. And that was another thing that I found was well done in the movies because it's not like he was championing to be greater than thou or to like, oh, I'm, I can still rise above all this and make it work. And no, he was humble as fuck at points, like, <laughs> and trying the best. And he still had some of that kind of that air of someone who has money mm-hmm. and that doesn't have to worry about a lot of things, but then is learning over time that he does have to worry about it. He does have to worry about food. He does have to worry about making sure that he doesn't waste money and that he has money for his family because they need to eat and things like that. And the character, he it would have been so easy to not act that role well or to make it so that it's not believable or that it's it changes the character so drastically that you don't care about him anymore. But here it's like you can see him growing up and maturing and becoming a better person as things get rougher and rougher for him. And it's, I have to give a lot of credit to Wilson Yip and the rest of the production team of the way the movies are structured. Like they definitely follow all three of them follow similar rhythms where they each have this first act where it's, you know, a more traditional light martial arts film, of, you know, great fight scenes and, you know, introducing colorful new characters and then in every single one of them once it hits that second act like there's always a tonal shift that accompanies it so as if like they start off the movie you know with the tale of Ip Man the martial artist but by the end of the films again all three of them individually we've learned a lot more about him as a person than we have as a fighter yeah oh you get so much more from the brief interactions with his wife Lin Hung is brilliant MVP of these movies, like yep. without a doubt. Wing Sing is the glue that holds the films together. Like, I don't know how they're going to do a fourth one without her. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the films came out a while back. Just, and you kind of see the, the writing on the wall there. I mean, even in the first film, like when they were poor on the streets and she got sick, I was like, oh, they're. There she goes. She's yeah. done. <laughs> but I, she miraculously pulled through and I, she carried the films from in my eyes. Yeah, she was she was just wonderful. And what's funny is that for us also a, a western audience watching these films, it's always interesting seeing seeing relationships in other cultures. That's something that's always interested me. Seeing how uh, a husband and wife or a husband and husband, wife and wife, whatever. Uh, but those relationships in other cultures and how it works out. So seeing the affection that he has for his wife, but it's reserved still because of culture, because of how they grew up, because of generations before them that have been the same way. You're not seeing affection in the same way that a lot of us do here in the West kind of thing in this time and age. So seeing that very, very reserved, not a lot of touching, not a lot of, you know, uh, uh, visible signs of affection, but you can feel it, you see it, and you really get to appreciate just how much these two love each other. You also get to see just how trying he is on her sometimes. (laughs) 
that that one scene early in the first movie where it was supposed to be spending time with his son and you know the the, the mother martial artists show up at the gate and she just gives him that look out of the corner of her eye i'm you know, I'm sitting on the couch watching this movie and like I puckered up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're in trouble. buddy." I felt like I had done something. Yes. <laughs> but then it like keeps carrying on. Like, like one of my favorite bits is uh, in the third movie where like he comes home late and dinner's on the table waiting for him. And then like he leaves a little note asking her to sew the button on. So that when he wakes up in the morning, the button is sewn onto the note. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it. It in these such small little moments they gave so much depth to these characters it was astonishing well especially her too like i mean again you're saying that she's the 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 glue that holds it together when you look at what they could have done with her as a character and what they chose to do with her as a character again her scope of influence is actually a lot larger than Mm. one would have presumed that they would do for a, a secondary character kind of thing because again it's i don't want to say it's you see a lot of misogyny in films, but you see a lot of misogyny in films around the world, not just Chinese films. But it would have been easy for that character just to be rele- relegated to this obscurity and just there. And yet you feel the impact that she has. Now, granted, some of the impact is the woman in the refrigerator impact of she's dying and that's impacting on his life. But the reality is sometimes your spouse passes away and it does have a profound impact on your life. And that's what happened to this man in reality. So, so again, it fits. And because you've had two and a half films kind of to really get attached to this woman, to see her come to the brink and then back again, and then thinking, Hey, maybe she'll get through this into your holding out for hope. You really are. And, and it was profound. I, I thought it was profound when you see, again, when you, you see where the story is going towards the end because it, of the relationship they had. It was so incredibly powerful. Like, I actually had trouble finishing that third movie. Yeah. Like, it hit hard because, he like said, we've grown so attached to her and we see just how much it cares for her. And it, like, it, it was so fantastically acted, directed, everything, like... It, it was hard to get through because, like, you knew, like, you knew what was going to happen, and like, do I really want to see it happen? But you know, you, you had to soldier through, and it, 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 it was affecting. That's the basically the best way I can say it. Yeah. Now to talk about some of the elements that I know that I wasn't as crazy about. The first one, of course, is that in the second one, because it's in Hong Kong during British rule, you're getting. Literally, mustache twirling villains in the form of the British people who are there, which is fairly common in some of the lower class films that come out sometimes. But for something like this, it would have been nice if it would have been done more realistically and not quite as cartoonishly. And between mm-hmm. um, Charles Mayer, who was the main British liaison essentially who again may as well have had a mustache that he twirled and the boxer who was so over the top that like it was it was annoying I found so like I I really wasn't crazy about that I would have liked more realism 
which still would have been bad because it's not like the British people were nice to them at the time. Mm -hmm. So they still could have gotten away with something that wasn't as, again, I keep going back to mustache twirling just because it's an analogy that fits that everyone can appreciate. But that's what it felt like. Because like the you know, like the second tier villains, if you will, in that movie, like like the stuff they did with uh, you know Fat Poe, with him as the translator and, and all that, and uh, like the storyline that was going on with the like was it the the newspaper? Like there is there was some good stuff in there, but yeah, once you got to the top tier. I agree. Comical is the best way you can say it. Well, that's the one, too, where he has to prove himself with the the other grandmasters who have dojos in mm-hmm. in Hong Kong before he can be to open his and be allowed to to run it there. So you have you have a lot of stuff going on with each of those, including some very, very cool performances by some of the, the different actors there who are just absolutely phenomenal in their own right. So yeah, there bring, was bringing in Sammo Hung for that role in the second film was yes, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, there was some really really cool stuff. And then you get the again, how do we make it interesting when they're doing their their fighting off of the tables, which was a little borderline too fantastical, but it was so much fun to watch because yeah. you got him going against the different styles, each of these other different styles and proving himself. So as ridiculous and ludicrous as it was it was so much fun to watch that it's like i'm all right with this that's that's, <laughs> that's fine let's just keep going well, it, it also had the feeling of you know of course at the time like tv and whatnot weren't you know the fights weren't recorded so it also had the feeling of like this was the way it was being recounted by the people who saw it right and we're like telling the story and making it more fantastic than it actually was yes which it it, it kind of lended to the like the fairy tale aspects of these stories and then it's not that I had a problem with a boxer being the final quote unquote villain kind of thing mm-hmm. for him to fight because that actually resulted in some really interesting fights. And that dude was a good enough boxer and in fucking embarrassing shape oh, for me. God. I'm looking at that going, I feel <laughs> I've wasted my life here. <laughs> Genetics are not fair. <laughs> and uh, but it was believable that he would be giving him such a hard time, and so I really enjoyed that. I just really wish that it hadn't been such a stupid kind of let's make him a cartoonish evil versus an evil because I, I the fighting was fun to watch. Twister being like the overtop character would have fit if the guys surrounding him weren't also in that same mold. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's pushing it. But then we can look to the third one. Or once again, boxer, but this time a very different type of boxer. Tyson. Now, I got no love for Tyson. Again, mm-hmm. you're going to jail for rape. You're not somebody that I want to watch your shows or support in any way, shape, or form. Let's pack that for the time being. It's not going anywhere, and it's true, and it's not going to change. But in terms of what I was expecting from him and what I got, As ridiculous a person as he is, as ridiculous a character as he is, as ridiculous as he sounds, and that's coming from somebody who hates the sound of his own voice. It's like, God, he just does not sound imposing, obviously, and it just, it takes you out when you're listening to him. He still did a decent job in the role. the crap out of me. (laughs) He did a decent job which surprised me 
And then when you get the fight scenes with him, well, I grew up watching Tyson before shit went bad. Like when initially he came out, everybody loved him because he was so unbelievably dangerous and and dynamic to watch. Like in terms of a fighter, boxer, there haven't been many that you can group in together in that elite kind of upper echelon of, wow, they are amazing to watch and, and and the power behind him is insane. So when you see him fighting Donnie, who apparently watched a lot of his old fights to prep for this, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you better. But it's believable. Again, the, that, that punch is coming at you unbelievably hard and fast. Don't kid yourself. If he clocks you with one of those, all of your Wung Chung ain't going to mean much if you get a concussion and you're on the ground. So it it worked. I I, I would I still would hope that they would have put somebody else in the role. They could have done any other non-rapist in the role. That would have been great. But it still kind of worked here that it's believable and he wasn't horrible in the role. It's like when he first showed up, I was like, why why is Mike Tyson in this yeah. movie? And, and then you get to the fight scene, and you're like, oh, that's why Mike Tyson's in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The fight scenes with him were really impressive. Were really impressive. Not just again him. Obviously, he was doing a good job. But for Yen to have to adapt his style to, and, and well, the character to adapt his fighting style mm-hmm. to be able to effectively fight him. And and even then, it's not to effectively fight him to beat him. It's to effectively fight him to survive. You just have to survive until the bell rings, and then you won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty telling. And, and, and it's true, too. So it, it, it works. There were a lot of things throughout that, again, it, it's it's one of those trilogies that I look at wherein... It's tricky to recommend to people because I have to make sure that they are someone who actually does appreciate and enjoy watching martial arts movies, but also someone that is going to be willing to really suspend his belief quite a bit, which is kind of inherent in that group to begin with. But even then, for for people like, oh, they might not be into it uh, Chinese films, but they might still enjoy this kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's hard to like, oh, yeah, I like martial arts action movies. And like, oh, which ones? And like the transporter and, you know, Americanized yeah. ones. And you're like, well, when you're going to Hong Kong action films, it's it's not even the same genre. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 hard to recommend this to people. I, I still do, but only very specific people because and that and see that's the other thing that I was getting at is that it's not just that it is a far different genre from what we're used to, but it it's also that there are some glaring issues with it that while it doesn't ruin the films for me and a lot of other people, would might be that tipping point for some people. And again, mm-hmm. that the the mustache twirling British rule, Tyson, a few of the things throughout are just enough that might make some people kind of give up on it. But for those who th- stick with it, for those who enjoy that type of film as well, there's a lot of meat on these bones. It's it's got a lot of good stuff. And at the end of the day, it's still a part of history. Like, yes, it's a fictionalized version yeah. of said history, but. I don't see how you can watch Bruce Lee movies without also watching this. Well, the thing that's cool about this, too, is the mystique behind Wing Chun. 
because mm-hmm. it is a very unique style. It was very hard for people to learn for a very long time simply because it was not found. You just you, – you couldn't find someone to teach you in a lot of places. I know that for, for myself, like I actually studied for a very brief period of time and, and it was very, very cool and I actually knew the, the sensei who was teaching it who was an amazing martial artist and – it just happened that was up north. It just happened that he was teaching, but you had to go out to the middle of freaking nowhere to learn this. And that was the only place up around that area that taught it. <laughs> Who's your trainer, Pai Mei? Yeah, no, he's just <laughs> some people like living in the middle of nowhere. Um and then here where I am now, I'm I I haven't noticed, I'm sure there probably is some, but I haven't even noticed anybody teaching it. It's it's one of those styles because of because it was developed by women and some would say even to a certain degree for women because certain forms are very much about a certain uh, center of gravity, different things like that kind of things, that it's it didn't blow up to as much popularity as some other forms of, of Kung Fu or Karate or, or Taekwondo and whatnot. So that mystique really helps elevate this as well. And then, of course, once you tie in that, that's how Bruce Lee started as well. That's one of his main styles, which he then adapted elements of into Jeet Kune Do, that mystique really lends a lot to this, mm-hmm. which makes it that much more fun to watch. And then again, for- freaking Donnie Yen. Holy yeah, crap. We, we kind of we talked our way around the fact that Donnie Yen is a severely underrated actor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, forget about acting at this point. Let's just talk about just skill. Yes, as a martial artist. artist because as fantastic. his 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 acting, I, I think the moment that he... Uh, became mainstream by doing Star Wars. That was the the point where everybody kind of went, "Oh, who's this guy?" And we're all going, "Are you kidding me? Where have you been? For the last where have you been?" Because this guy's got a very rich history of roles he's done. But the fact is, is that this man is beyond impressive. When you're watching him give demonstrations, when you're watching him fight, it's. These fight scenes are entirely believable, with the exception of the wire work, which is kind of inherent in most Chinese-made martial arts films. Uh, the, it's freaking believable. He he is unbelievable in everything he does, and he that style it's perfectly perfectly represented by him. And just. Uh, like he himself being trained in so many different styles, you know, Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like he is so versatile that he can slip into a role yep. like Ip Man with Wing Chun, which I'm sure he learned, but he didn't train in for many, many years like he did the others. But he sure looked like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's basically the I, – I will say as ridiculous as some of the – the concepts were, or again, when you're looking at him fighting the two different boxers or whatever, or when you're looking at them fighting on top of the tables, or there's a whole bunch of different ones. In each of the fight scenes still, I didn't see anybody. And that's including some of the old guys when you're seeing the old grandmasters fighting on those tables. There's nobody that you see and you think, oh, you're dialing this in. You're just, you're just calling this in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, or either that or you're pulling off an iron fist and you have no clue what you're doing here. <laughs> and there's 60 cuts to make it happen. No, pretty much everyone sells their part 
amazingly well. And that speaks volumes when you look at some of the fight scenes. You're talking about like dozens of young people in the streets when they're either protecting the school at some point or when or they're the, doing uh, their the factory things. you have literal old ladies yep. fighting yeah yeah the, i was going to go there the factory or when you're looking at when they were uh in the excavation mine there uh like there's different scenes where you're getting a lot of people and the choreogra- choreography was done so spectacularly that you you can't like I, I pause the freaking screen at points just to look at what's going on in corners and whatnot. And I couldn't find, again, anybody who was just dialing it in. And that's impressive. I might have missed some, but I didn't see them. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the subject matter. Like this wasn't yeah. just some random Hong Kong martial arts film. Like I think everybody involved with making this movie knew, you know, the gravity of the subject matter and wanted to pay respect to that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so any parting thoughts? Watch these and then go find other Donnie Yen films. Because like you said, he's he's finally at – how old is he at this point? He's in his 50s, isn't he? That's a good question. Give me a second. Uh, I was born – yeah, he's 53. Like, and he's finally just now getting a lot of like mainstream appeal thanks to uh, Chirrut in uh, Rogue One. But as I said, I've been watching his films since the 90s. Like I think the first film of his I saw was Iron Monkey. Right. And like I've been a fan for a long time. So if you enjoy this and you want to see other uh, Hong Kong style martial arts films, just look up Donnie Yen's filmography. He's done some fantastic ones. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so with that, we will call it a wrap. Make sure to check out the show notes at popcornronin.com. Let us know what you thought about these films or any other Donnie Yen films that you might have seen. You can find us also on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as on Twitter. I am Zen Buddhist and he is Simodian. And with that, we will see you in a few weeks. For more movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their comic book informer podcast and Internet Dragons TV gaming videos. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 